and welcome to the This Because podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Zoe. And we're brand strategists, social entrepreneurs, and longtime friends exploring how the way we live and work impacts the people and the planet around us. This podcast is an open conversation about values and ethics, sustainability and purpose, brands and business. Katie, how are you doing this week? How is Toronto? Hey, yeah, it's good. We've been here, I think, nearly three weeks, almost a month. Oh and um, the most exciting fast. thing I know it's gone so quickly. Most exciting thing this week is they've put the snow fences up by the lake. So oh God, we are preparing for winter. <laughs> when does snow come normally? How long from now? Well, the farmer's almanac says that we should expect quite a lot of it by the end of October, which is soon. Yeah, but um, who knows with climate change? Who, yeah, who knows when it's coming? But the snow, um, things are up. Yep, you're snow ready. Fences are up. We are snow. ready. We are prepared. Amazing. And how are you? How are things going with you? What are we going to chat about this week? Yeah, all good actually. I think this week we're going to talk about how we can make marketing more mindful for people's mental health. So I guess. Um, we, we've always known the power of marketing, I think, when we think about how we can influence behavior and convince people to do stuff that works both positively and negatively. Mm-hmm. And you and I met over a decade ago when we were working at the environmental communications charity called Do the Green Thing. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, Do the Green Thing um, is a public service for the environment, but it really um, was founded on the belief that if you convince people to fly buy gas guzzling cars to smoke cigarettes surely you can convince them to live more sustainably because you're using the same tools and if marketing and advertising can influence behavior we can make sustainable living something that people want to do rather than people feeling like they have to do it born from a place of guilt and we know how marketing can affect the planet through consumption but we've been recently talking about how marketing can affect our mental health And I think this year, we've both experienced times where marketing tactics have really influenced our mental health, not not for the better. Um, Mm -hmm. So we wanted to chat about that and just see what more could be done and just a few provocations around that. So, uh, Zoe, were you happy to share your experience first? Yeah, of course. Um, So, yeah, how I've been influenced or my mental health has been influenced by um, marketing recently is... Over a year ago, I decided to stop drinking. Uh, So August 2020, um, just after the lockdowns had lifted, um, I had been curious for a while and I had followed, I have a few sober friends and I'd followed a few people online um, like Clemmie Telford and Sober Girl Society, just because I think I was quite curious in what life might like be like without booze. Um, Then it basically came down to an overnight knee-jerk decision. Um, I'd had too much rosé one night and the next day I thought I'll give up. I kind of never said never, um, but I've actually been kind of hangover free. It's not the drinking that is the, not drinking that's the massive positive, it's the lack of hangover that is the huge positive. Um, So once I chose not to drink, and I think once you make a decision like that, you suddenly uh, are privy to all the techniques that and all the kind of um, times you've actually been advertised 
by alcohol that at the time you might not have found that triggering. It just kind of happened. So I think I came very aware very quickly how many cocktail brands, beer brands, wine brands, um, associated party brands were suddenly targeting me because of my age category and location um, to basically tell me to drink more (laughs) and drink more regularly and try new things. Um, So I guess I was in a privileged position, privileged position that I chose not to drink rather than necessarily had to because of health. Um, But I think those ads are still very disruptive for me as kind of constant reminders and unnecessary time to reconsider your choices when actually you've made a choice and you don't need to be reminded or persuaded otherwise. Um, So it was mainly on Instagram because that's normally where I spend my time. So I started initially um, blocking the ads just by pressing the three dots and saying, hi, dad, not relevant. Hi, dad, not relevant. Um, And then I actually looked into how to hide the ads more permanently on Instagram. And it's possible, which is really helpful. Um, So I can always put that in the show notes if anyone else is considering doing that and considering blocking things. But it just made me think that... um, if you don't have that understanding of how to do that or look into that, how often things you don't want to see online um, actually are surfaced and served to you. And if you've actually clicked on them to work out how not to, that then looks like an interaction. So um, they think you're more interested. So you get bombarded even more. So that was my experience. That seems like even the act of you having to go through and say this ad's not relevant, that in itself feels like a really, it can be a really traumatic or triggering thing to say, yeah, like, yeah. this isn't for me. You're, you're manually saying it's not for you. But that cocktail might look quite delicious <laughs> still that you're having to say, no, you don't want to because you know that you've made a, a, a broader decision. Um, and obviously you can't avoid uh, it totally because, um, but from a marketeer point of view, because you don't know what your friends are going to share online and things like that. But from a marketeer's point of view, it would have just been more helpful and more clear and more useful to me if I could have actually known earlier on that it was possible to put those barriers in place yeah and I think a lot of people don't know that I've had a similar thing um Mm -hmm. and this kind of I'll share where this has affected me over the past yeah please do there's um there's a strange fact that people um often quote that like it's your credit card company or it's like a loyalty card company that knows you're pregnant before you do which I think is terrifying but it kind of goes to show that how much of a data-driven collection people measure your behavior online all the time so yeah you know I'm not surprised and given Mm -hmm. the field we work in but earlier this year Cal and I lost a baby Mm -hmm. the internet is very clever and it knew I was pregnant but it wasn't Mm -hmm. quite clever enough to know that I lost it Oh, and I'm so sorry. I had, thank you. I was I was targeted by ads, direct marketing, everywhere. It was just mm-hmm. trying to sell me pregnancy products, tights, bump plans, pregnancy Pilates, like unrelenting yeah. after we lost the baby. And I did similar things. I tried to find ways to protect myself and my mental health as best as possible, opting out of ads, avoiding social media for a while. Things still came <laughs> through my mailbox yeah. at home. Um, I had really, really great support from Tommy's and they Mm -hmm. are um, a baby loss charity and they have a great resource on how to change your settings on social media. And they also have, um, they link out to a mail opt out service. Um, And this helps so you're not getting 25% off baby clothes flyers through your mailbox when you didn't sign up in the first place. Yeah. God, it's terrifying. It's so terrifying. But I keep coming back to the thought that the internet obviously knew I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it has to know I lost it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, it just does. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of really smart marketeers who design all kinds of behavioral and demographic targeted ad campaigns. Mm-hmm. And I wonder just how can we embed more sensitivity into mental health and into the planning process? Because I genuinely think that the smarter and the more sensitive that um, and thoughtful that marketing is designed, the better loyalty and the better return on investment you will have with customers. Yeah, so some of those brands that you were marketed to at obviously are baby brands and so should know what um, baby loss statistics are as well and should know that that is something within a purchase decision that happens as well because how do you feel about those brands that marketed to you at that point? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what do you feel of them now? Like, how do you respond to the brands that might have sent you things at that time where you were pretty vulnerable? Like, oh, never again. It doesn't matter how many children I choose to have or adopt. There's, um, yeah. like, and that's the that's, I guess, the risk, right? The damage mm-hmm. you're doing is that you are forever putting off a customer base because mm-hmm. you weren't, you haven't either designed something or an algorithm has, de- has decided to not be emotionally intelligent enough to recognize that mm. um, not all pregnancies result in a live birth. Yeah. And it's almost like they've considered uh, how they want to take the money from you. If you are pregnant, they want you to buy that thing rather than recognizing that that actual, uh, if we're calling them users, it feels very unhuman. But if you are thinking of that person, um, yeah, what they actually might go through to get to that point and therefore uh, when they actually need to consider that purchase or not consider that purchase and when you kind of push information um, and when you pull back. And actually there could be interesting partnerships in that of when you push information. If actually you're not serving by this thing, you're actually serving up, go to Tommy's or be supported by that. There's ways that different marketeers could actually offer a better experience rather than just a sales experience, it seems. Yeah, and even like even the algorithms on social media, when you're saying on Instagram, this ad is not relevant to me and it's baby clothes, you would think that's a signal. <laughs> yeah. You would think that's, oh, it's not relevant. Baby clothes aren't relevant to you? Okay, yeah. cool. But they were relevant to you a few weeks ago. Okay, what might have happened? Therefore, what, how can we support you now as an organization rather than just disappear? Or the trouble is they don't disappear. <laughs> yeah, but I think yeah. there's lots of, within I guess everyone's own journeys and everyone's own lived experience of all kinds of things Mm -hmm. I think there are things that people will find triggering and ways that ads will put people off but um, yeah I think there's start we're starting to see a lot more um I guess thoughtfulness and initiatives around this yeah definitely I saw um uh thinking of your um situation as well and knowing a lot of the time when marketeers go wild is around high days and holidays um and for example mother's day or father's day um can be hugely emotional for many people um whether they uh perhaps have lost a parent or were unable to become parents or have um difficult relationships with their family and i had actually seen um two brilliant friends who had come uh have that experience of those um, special holidays um, and know the emotional strain of them. So they'd set up a day called Other's Day. And I think there was sometimes a misunderstanding that that's to take away from Other's Day. And I don't think it is at all. I think it was just they needed to recognise that there were a whole 
host of people and they were hoping a whole host of people like them that made them feel less um, abnormal that actually found those days very difficult and actually could there be a way to support people rather than kind of suffering in silence and thinking okay Mother's Day advertising has started six weeks before the day and I need to avoid it and I just need to suffer alone actually try and pull together networks of people and market to them and speak to them in a different way that is more of a supportive group and I guess that feels quite beneficial that people from their own kind of sadnesses are able to think of more um, collaborative routes uh, to make things feel a little more manageable for them. That's really nice and that feels like a really tangible way of helping people recognize the boundaries they want to set and also of um, ways that they can acknowledge the grief for things they've experienced Mm. so that social doesn't have to be a place of unrelenting positivity about only great things yeah and I guess that is what those other days are about of kind of lived and shared experience so actually um therefore yes some of those lived and shared experiences people have are happy and many of them are sad or confusing or different and therefore being able to put some kind of narrative and support around those is I think very helpful yeah I remember um you were telling me a while ago uh, about Bloom and Wild mm, brilliant a letterbox flower company in the UK yeah yeah and they in 2019 they gave their customers a chance to opt out of emails around sensitive occasions like Mother's Day because, and the response um, from their customers in the wider community was huge. Mm-hmm. It even got mentioned in a parliamentary debate because yeah. it huge. really resonated with people. So many people were like, look, Mother's Day is quite a sad triggering thing for me or it's not relevant to me. So they gave their customer base the opportunity to opt out. Yeah, And this has enormous potential to make a positive impact because you're spreading these principles of opting out yes. more widely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they launched the thoughtful marketing movement to help businesses. I think there's is that 170 now. I think up? yeah, it's suddenly got much, much bigger of people that also want to kind of understand how, as an organization, they have that responsibility for their community. Because I guess what shocked me in a good way about Bloom and Wild is for a flower company um, and for a florist. And you would assume that uh, previously uh, those kind of companies have lived and breathed off Mother's Day. Um, But I think it's a really confident and innovative way for a company like that to actually say something that we usually probably make a lot of money out of is we're now not about celebrating just the one-off days they obviously want people to give flowers and enjoy flowers more often but to kind of challenge their own industry and say this this is a a difficult triggering day for many people this is what we're going to do about it and I think yeah their thoughtful marketing movement means they share loads of it online um loads of their ideas how they build their own opt-out campaigns how they discuss and inspire with other people because I think these things aren't going to be solved overnight no one's got the answer but it's just a nice way for different organizations to begin to think actually we need to really consider how we market to people um, and how that affects people's mental health rather than just sell stuff and do business as usual. Well, I love that. And I love the fact that they're being so transparent in their design process of mm-hmm. how other people can adopt it and use it because that shared learning, you know, we might see it just embedded across all kinds of 
yeah, email marketing just becomes or- the normal e-market yeah when you're setting up your uh, marketing campaigns rather than panicking that you need absolutely every email that you've ever had and it's all about the quantity I guess it's horrible marketing terms but it's about the quality of those segments and the quality of people and actually speaking more and more to people in a human way um, and being useful to them and providing a good experience rather than just spamming them with things that aren't relevant because no longer are people just saying oh that's spam they're actually saying it's spam and it's hurtful and therefore I have a negative uh, opinion of that brand because like you said you're not going to be shopping from the brands that were unable to stop the targeting to you at that difficult time yeah and I think it's worth us acknowledging that when we're talking about like our personal agency and our ability to opt out of things and be in Mm -hmm. control of these is from a hugely privileged position of like we can feel our mental health being affected yes but we are not down a tunnel where we're, we're beyond um where we need more professional help yeah where it's not destructive almost yeah yeah there's a lot of danger in a lot of everything we've been talking about today has been Mm -hmm. the position of our ability to control and block and create yeah and work within the industry as well isn't it there's a certain amount of knowledge that you kind of know these tricks because you've had to use them before or had to plan and communication (laughs) strategies that um try to persuade yeah, that's yeah. so worth pointing out, isn't it? That actually this comes from, we're a very privileged understanding of the environment and of the industry. Um, yeah. And yet and it's still pretty people. puzzling for us. Yeah, and there'll be a lot of people who, um, like you see, who've got um, eating disorders, who can't escape these things and mm. they can't create those boundaries because, and they're constantly triggered by videos and things that they see. And I think, what we've been talking about today has been specifically from the perspective of we know how it works. We know Mm. the things that you can do and almost a call to our friends and people that work in the industry to say, it's really inspiring to see movements Mm -hmm. like what Bloom and Wild are doing out there. And we're hoping that more and more comms people can continue to think about well-being and how Mm -hmm. we factor that into audience targeting. So go on. Yeah, I was just saying, put their brains to working out how can we can do that better rather than uh, just continue as we are because there is the analytics there, there's the data there, there's the information there. Um, how can we re-divert things uh, at points that need to be done? Completely. And let me tell you, I don't know if it's the same for you and alcohol, but I won't mm-hmm. go near a single brand again that ever targeted me so aggressively when I was vulnerable. And I'm yeah. quite passionate about this. And in fact, I feel like I spread the word so much of brands people shouldn't buy from because, because of, of those I feel like they hit me when I was down. Yeah. Yeah. Kicked you into the, yeah. And really weren't responsive and just wanted to make that sale from you rather than thinking of you as a person. Yeah. But I think um, that's quite a, pessimistic and slightly aggressive stance I feel like you're more of a generative like self-starter of what would I do to make something no I think I think uh I think it is different because I guess from an alcohol point of view if it's not a difference between uh me picking vodka to vodka if I'm not drinking vodka whereas I guess now maybe it's worth announcing to people you are actually pregnant (laughs) (laughs) so it is actually possible for you to now reconsider some of those companies again um so I think the decision and the the purchase choice is still there for you but it's good that now you have uh been able to what's not good but when you were kicked when you were down you were able to scratch some people off the list so maybe um buying baby grows will be slightly easier now because there's a few companies that you'll never (laughs) 
never purchased exactly. from. They're on my blacklist. They're never. on the blacklist. Whereas I guess for me, I'm at a stage where all alcohol actually is on the blacklist at the moment. So it's not like, um, I don't think I'm overly positive, but I maybe have started yet to think about other things that I would like to drink. Um, and I guess this kind of goes into the things we were discussing about businesses we'd like to start. And rather irrationally, uh, I always decide I want to start businesses much to Tom's horror and um so now I thought it's easier that we share the businesses that we want to start um with each other so it kind of gets it off our chest and then means that anyone else can start the businesses but we're probably not going to do it yeah this is free ideas free ideas guys this is the free ideas portion of this podcast yeah so when I was watching a football match actually earlier in the year it was half time and I was kind of fed up that other people around me were drinking alcohol and I still had to drink diet coke and I know there's been many better options now of drinks um which luckily I do get served a bit too now. Uh, I think the algorithm has realized that I prefer non-alcoholic things and cordials. So I, over uh, the summer then, started making cordials with very nearly moldy berries and fruit and foraged herbs. Um, Sounds very wholesome. It wasn't as wholesome, it was just a need. And then I thought, actually, could I start a company called Berry and Herb? Um, So it's all about these combinations of kind of nearly gone to waste or wonky fruit and vegetables and berries um, matched with just garden herbs. And then I would provide, use it to provide jobs and raise funds for people who were recovering from alcohol or substance abuse. Um, then I thought, okay, obviously we need to have a fleet of electric vehicles that create kind of exciting alcohol-free experiences like on the high street at events, weddings and festivals to make it actually not just um, something you felt you had to do to be um kind of wholesome and uh, clean but actually think I really want to pick that alternative because it looks like a better cocktail than the alcoholic one Uh, and then obviously I'd sell my cocktails at supermarket shelves with reusable bottles and refill stations um, because that's probably what all companies that are making products now um, need to think about is how actually people come back and refill them rather than just chuck the bottles away. So, yeah, that's the business I'd like to start. Uh, I obviously bought the URL and (laughs) started to plan it and then thought, wait, I've probably got other things to be doing at the moment. But if anyone wants to set up Berry and Herb, I'd be very happy to support you wholeheartedly. I love that. I will be (laughs) one of your first customers. And I can't wait to see what what opt-out preferences you allow people to have when they sign up for this business (laughs) they can opt out from blueberry if they want um they can opt out from time (laughs) (laughs) amazing thank you everyone for listening in uh we'd love to hear your thoughts and please do check out our show notes um if you want to see links to anything that we talked about on today's episode see you soon bye